and welcome to the Raven Hill Roundup, the Ulster Rugby Fan Podcast with your hosts Jamie and Lewis. So let's get right into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Raven Hill Roundup. Back once again after Ulster's crucial win against the Bulls. Ulster winning 32-23 in what could be one of the most important weekends of this campaign so far. So today, me and Lewis, as usual, we're going to be talking about the Ulster game. Breaking it down, giving our thoughts on it. As well as a look across the grounds, looking at the scores and the crucial game that was Leinster versus the Stormers. We'll have a look into it as well as the look ahead the next week and a bit of news. So without further ado, we'll get stuck straight into the Ulster match. So Lewis, what do you think about the match? A crucial game for Ulster ending 32-23. What were your thoughts on the game overall? Yeah, Jimmy, a crucial win, absolutely massive, um, important win for Ulster, especially getting that bonus point. Um, I thought for me it was a really topsy-turvy first half in the game. It seemed to be that every time Ulster scored, the Bulls responded and always looked really dangerous, especially when Ulster kicked loosely to them. Obviously a number of penalties given away by both teams, firstly by the Bulls early on, and then as the half went on, Ulster seemed to start giving away a lot of penalties, and they probably ended the half the worst team, in my opinion. I think the Bulls looked quite strong at the end of the first half. I think Ulster will have been really disappointed going in at half-time behind, and just the fact that they gave the Bulls back three so much space and opportunity for line breaks due to some loose kicking and stuff so I think that was something that they probably knew going into the second half that they would need to work on in terms of the second half itself Ulster took more of a foothold in the game they won the half 20 points to 3 which just says it all how Ulster really grew into the game Um, a lot of the players started to stand up a lot more they were winning a lot more penalties they were constantly looking and threatening in the air And, you know, they just stuck to what they knew best in terms of going back to the mall in the second half. And it proved crucial because Tom Stewart with two tries in that second half, I think it was. And, you know, it it worked really well for them. I thought there were some really standout performers. A lot of players put their hands up to start in this week's crucial game against Leinster. And, yeah, for me, Jimmy, just a really important win and a great... um, a great test for next week going into such a big game. Couldn't have put it better. Um, I completely agree with you on the the sense that Ulster just let the Bulls play their game by kicking to them constantly. To be fair though, the kicking was pretty solid. Um, it's only a couple of times we were sort of saying, oh, it didn't go far enough. The kicks were generally good. And especially with the performance from... Uh, Balogun, Stockdale, they were always right on for box kicks. Um, they were always right on their man, ready to either challenge for it or get the tackle in straight away after, which is really important to the game because it could have went so differently if they weren't right up to it and right there. And the, they were probably working on that during the week. You know, the maybe that was just part of the game plan. The to let them go and then Ulster just uh, play the physical game and get it up and that is basically how they won it in the end. It was all down to that physical game. Uh, like you were saying, Tom Stewart, three tries on the day um, just from the usual play really, you know, going uh, line out in the Amal or pushing quite far up from scrums. That's how Ulster were we're making the yards and um, they probably could have had more from that but there were a few turnovers um, particularly the loose ball, uh, the knock on from from Tom Stewart it probably would have been a try but at the end of the day you know got the bonus point and got the points that we needed for the win so all that stuff doesn't really matter in the end they got over the line. I do think once again didn't use the backs quite enough first try in the first couple of minutes played out to the backs 
Trigo was down from Balakin on his return. But there were a couple of times I could see the space, and I'm sure you could as well. One of the wingers for us was always empty and or had a load of space in between them. Um, and people from the Bulls just weren't marking. So I think that if the the kept the wider line slightly and played it out, you would have had more possession for one. Um, because you, you were just going in the sort of close runs and things like that. And then obviously if you keep doing that, it's the same people using the ball over and over and you know, there's going to end up being a mistake, which there was a couple of times, and that sort of uh, superseded the possession and gave it back the the Bills, either from a turnover or a kick. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, not the takeaway from Ulster's performance. It was really good and, and a good match to watch. It was really thrilling um, to see how they were playing, and it just got you got you going really the the speed and the ferocity of it and then also some really terrific kicks especially from Stockdale his 50-22 was unbelievable there was even videos put up and all on TikTok straight after of uh, I seen um, people just talking about how inch perfect it was and I'm looking forward to seeing more of Stockdale in these closing stages it was probably the best 50-22 of the season I've seen. Do Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you'd see, especially on the close-up on the camera, it is literally just before touching the line and escapes uh, the, the bull's winger because if that was even probably five inches, I'd probably say, closer, he was getting that. Um, so he literally just lobbed it over him where he couldn't reach it and in and then that gave Ulster a massive foothold and um, and unfortunately it didn't lead to a try but it definitely put Ulster on that front foot to get one not as many penalties as well something that's really improving uh, in the Ulster side as the seasons went on back in the single digits for penalties which is always great to see because it's not a team that loses their head and it's a team that stays very well disciplined but it's just silly mistakes I felt always cause the penalties and it's nice to see that they've just came right down again because uh, past couple of games the penalties have been quite good unlike uh, sort of start of the season, middle of the season whenever it was a bit rough uh, on the pitch and the tackling has improved tenfold um, 200 tackles on the day and obviously that's helped by the fact that um, the Bills had the vast majority of possession, which I don't think uh, Ulster could really get away with if they'd done that all the time. Um, because we do have a record of letting clean breaks through and us not getting the clean breaks is what happened in this game, but fortunately uh, we had people who could run after them and and get them down, um, but yeah, just a, a it was a fun game to watch, and I think it sets us up well for next week's big game against Leinster. Yeah, I have to agree. I think um, it was really tense throughout. I don't think you know both of us sort of went for a drink at half time and thought to ourselves, you know, do we really think we're going to win this game? And neither of us were quite sure. It was. It was just one of those games that we knew that Ulster really had a game on their hands. It wasn't one that Ulster were going to roll the Bulls over. And the Bulls haven't been playing particularly well recently either. So they obviously came over to Belfast with a full-strength squad, which um, I don't think I was expecting with them obviously having a big European game this weekend. It's a lot of travelling for them. But they came fully loaded, they came expecting to win, obviously trying to nail that playoff place in the URC and, you know, it it nearly worked out for them because I thought they played really well despite Ulster winning the game. They put us under a lot of pressure at home and, you know, like I say, they Ulster went in at half time knowing that they had to come out and put out a big second half performance to go out and win that game. Um, I have to agree with your earlier point as well in terms of using the backs and we did notice a few times that both Stockdale and Balakin were in a bit of space out wide that 
probably could have been utilised with a crossfield kick. I mean, we saw Burns do so many crossfield kicks last season, and honestly, I can't remember one that we've done this year. Um, no, I genuinely can't. And you know, it's something that is always going to be an option. It worked so well for us at one point, and it could obviously work again this season if they used it the odd time. I think at points. In the last couple of years, they maybe tried to go to it a little bit too much. Whereas I think now it's maybe about trying to find the right balance. Like you say, I would have liked to see them go out to the backs a bit more. It was good to see them use that game management in terms of they realised that things weren't quite working in the first half. And, you know, they went to the mall a little bit more and it worked out for them, obviously. We know it's their strongest weapon this season. And, you know, I think next week against Leinster they're gonna need to have a bit more of a variety in their game they're gonna need to use obviously the mall it's gonna be important but they're gonna need to get the dangerous backs into the game and you know that was a really strong backline we had out in terms of having Laurie, Balakun, Stockdale in the back three Stuart Murr has been playing so well this season I thought Billy Burns had a pretty good game Um, I think Nathan Doak possibly could have done a bit better he had a great uh, conversion from the touchline um, but I think his speed of passing just wasn't where it has been at the last couple of games obviously he got man of the match last week in Cardiff as well so I think there is a bit to improve on going into next week and you know that's exactly what you want because you want things to work on going into next week so that you can improve on them and be better on them in that Leinster game but it was a really good test for that game because it was a tough game and I think the Bulls coming over and Ulster dominating them throughout the game wouldn't have been ideal preparation for next week. And I also think that our defence this year, and or sorry, this latter part of the season is looking a lot more solid than it had been um, in that sort of Christmas period of games where we were conceding a lot of points, still giving teams probably more line breaks than we'd like to but you know that's expected with such a potent Bulls back three and we were both quite critical of the defence coach early in the season and in the mid part of the season and I think he's definitely managed to turn things around a bit come to the end of the season. Have you noticed the same Jimmy would you say the defence has improved um, quite a lot over the last few games? Yeah I mean you know, the defence has definitely improved. Uh, everyone can see that in the past few games. And we were very critical of, of Johnny Bell and, um, you know, calling for him to, to get the sack and things like that. But I'm almost thinking now that it might just be he maybe just had a different style to his defence than... The previous coach and it's more it was an adjustment period that sort of middle part um of of the season whenever we were getting really critical of the defense because even at the start of the season it was still quite big numbers that we were conceding and maybe it was just the fact that the attacking was so intense and really good and people just could not stop that physical play that I think that it got overshadowed a bit I think it's it's now that you see how well the defense is the numbers of tackles that are getting put in and just the solidity um of that team now you know the only real problem with it is is the clean breaks and I don't think that you can really cover for that in your in your coaching, I think that that's more just an on the day, you know, don't miss your tackle or um, just be aware of your space. So I think that it, it it's probably just been, it was an adjustment longer than what it should have been. But it was probably just an adjustment to a new style of coaching. And it's, it's working out at the minute, you know, it's still some big games to be played. And I think that you'll really see in these games if that new defensive regime has taken effect and if it is actually effective yeah and it is in the bigger games against the bigger teams that you are going to notice 
how well Ulster are doing defensively because that's when you're up against the most dangerous players, especially in the back line. We saw that with the Bulls back three this week and we'll see it with a lot of the Leinster backs next week. And, you know, in in those big games you're always going to have line breaks from the other team because they're such dangerous players and you expect to have line breaks ourselves, of course, especially even against Leinster who have one of the best defences in the leagues. And, you know, we have such a dangerous backline. I think the likes of Balakun, you would always expect him to get a few line breaks. Uh, Laurie as well, he beats a lot of defenders and he's so hard to tackle, so hard to get down that you always expect him to make a few as well. So it's, it's kind of getting that balance right in terms of when they are getting line breaks. You need to get them down early and, you know, it's obviously the job of your fullback a lot of the time in terms of covering the ground and making sure that you make your tackles and hopefully next week we we can do that and sort of keep Leinster quite quiet. Going in the, the next week as well I think that uh, the players are going to have a massive part to play in that defensive standard and um, this week's defence and the players performances were pretty good overall like um, the big sort of one for me was uh, Balakin first game back from injury and makes a statement by scoring a try two minutes in and he didn't stop there for me I I know that Tom Stewart did get man of the match and probably deservedly so uh, from the hat trick but for me it, it was Balakin you know such a strong performance after being out for so many months and he controlled his position rarely got beat actually I don't think he did get beat I think it was more they were running through the middle of the park and that's how they were getting through um he contested every ball done strong tackles strong runs all the time and was just so on it from start to finish and closely following him was Jacob Stockdale you know (laughs) It wasn't just that amazing kick, it was also his tackling. Um, he stopped the try with one of his tackles and he didn't control as much, I think, but it could just be uh, that Bill's wing was stronger. But Stockdale really stood out and you can see, I think he's starting to enjoy the game again now that he's back. You know, the past two games he's he's been great and it was probably good to maybe keep him sidelined for uh, so long after the injury um, because he hadn't played in two years uh, until uh, a couple of weeks ago and he's completely he's reintroduced himself um, and is is really taking his shirt back at the minute with his performances Tom Stewart was man of the match and I sort of picked up a few things that I was sort of like, come on, or like dropping balls, or uh, I think there was a throw or two from a line out that were a bit dodgy. Um, but his actual play, the play was was quite good uh, on second viewing, and um, he he's won it. He's fourteen tries now, fourteen tries through the year Ulster's top goal scorer or try scorer and you know you can't take that away from him he's such a strong part of this team um only person I would probably critique a bit was Doug like you were saying before just very slow and uh, it just let Bills get set and ready for an attack and I think that that was a detriment and probably why we had to kick so much as well because whenever uh, Cooney finally came on, he dictated play because of his speed and his accuracy. Um, he was pinpoint and knew exactly where he wanted that ball to go as soon as he got to the ruck. Um, I think Duke, I think it was just a misstep for him. He's, you know, getting mad at the match last time I and then sort of the weak link I guess in the team um, this week I, I think it's just that we we slip up he's been playing so much and 
he's probably just not used to it, I would imagine. Um, whereas Cooney, you know, you have the experience and uh, he, he played great for them 10 minutes he was on, which you don't get how you get a player like that to play 10 minutes. Uh, there's calls for so long from the ones that we were with, um, just wanted him on and wanted him on. And I think that that was only emphasised by Duke's performance. So I'll ask you this question next week. You've two very good nines. Who do you pick? Um, well, I know we'll be talking about what team we'd hope to see out next week, but for me, I would 100% expect Cooney to start. I would be. I think it's too strong to say I would be shocked if Duke starts because obviously he has been putting in some really good performances this season. However, I just think Cooney's experience and obviously his strength of goal kicking as well. I think it would be. I think it would be a big risk from Dan McFarland to not start Cooney. Um, he's obviously a key man in this team. All the fans know it. Um, I think the team around him know it as well. And I would a hundred percent expect to see him starting next week. Um, like you say, really impressed with Balakun and Stockdale on the wings. I thought. I thought more more impressively than Balakun's try. I think was his aerial battles. Um, like you say earlier, constantly contesting for uh, kicks. When the ball was kicked to him, he was always quite clean in terms of taking it. I think he only sort of scuffled at one. And both wingers, I thought, um, that was a huge role they played. And, you know, they're clearly, for me, Ulster's two strongest wingers at the moment. And they're two that you would expect to be starting the bigger games. In terms of the forwards, I thought David McCann done pretty well. Um Obviously, he hasn't played too much this season, but I think he's sort of coming into his own. And, you know, you can see that, obviously, keeping Sheridan and I think it was Marcus Ray as well on the bench, keeping them both uh, benched. He must have been impressed in, in training during the week, and I think he took his opportunity really well and has put his hand up, certainly, for being in the 23 for next week. Um, you say that you were unimpressed with Doak. I was also... Partly unimpressed with Sam Carter as well. I thought, again, a number of pretty silly penalties given away. Um, I think he actually got a bit of praise on Twitter from a number of Ulster fans in terms of his line-out takes and stuff. But for me, he just I just don't think he added enough to the game. And I think there was a very silly penalty giveaway for not rolling away. And he was taken off literally within a, a few minutes. So... You know, I think Dan McFarlane was maybe a little bit unhappy with that as well. But obviously we've plenty of strong options in that second row. Carter being one of them. Uh, Kieran Treadwell, Alan O'Connor as well. So there's plenty of options in there. I thought uh, Tamanga Allen as well had another strong game. Um, off the bench, I thought Eric O'Sullivan was, was really strong when he came on. Sheridan did a, re- did a really good job. Another young player putting his hand up for next week as well. So overall, I think most of the players played really well in the game. And it was just a case of grinding out. And obviously Ulster hadn't played for a few weeks before this game. So there was a little bit of rustiness. And I think we saw that in the first half. But as the second half started and went on, they obviously grew into the game. Became a lot more clinical. Um, not as many dropped balls. Not as many penalties given away. And um, hopefully, like I say, they can carry that performance from the second half into next week. And they'll obviously need to be stronger. But hopefully that's a platform for them to build on. Just to touch on before we move on. Um, I forgot to mention the the forwards and specifically um, the the second row. Um, I agree with you on Sam Carter. I think he's he's just a bit too old now. Um, for well, probably not even too old. I I always say that I think he's an old man, but he just he plays like an old man. Um, but then there's times that he can play like he's at the peak of his performance, and um, I didn't see an issue with his lineouts. To be fair to the people that were saying it was his in game play and his in possession play that I sort of didn't really like, and as you were saying, silly penalty not rolling away. 
Um, I was surprised to see Treadwell as well, um, especially considering uh, he was away, and I think that that was a bit of a detriment to him. There was a couple of times that I noticed he was very slow at getting up or getting back to the line, and um, he wasn't always there uh, defensively, and you know I think that he's probably just been tired from being away with Ireland the whole time. Um, but he still put in a good performance, like on the ball and uh, in set plays. But it was just I just wanted to mention. I sort of picked uh, that up a couple of times. He was way way offside and um, was having to sort of put his hands up for kicks a lot to say, "Yep, I'm not touching it. I'm coming back." And um, I think he is maybe just this might have just not been the right game. The bring him back where it's, it was so fast paced and high tempoed yeah I don't know I think yeah Treadwell definitely wasn't at 100% um, it was probably that 1 or 2% off as usual high standard of performances but I think bringing him back in was probably the right call going into next week in terms of you need he's one of our strongest players and I think you need him starting next week for me and you know, I think that sort of preps him and gets him back into sort of the Ulster squad, back into the way of playing with Ulster going into next week. And, you know, it'll have him a little bit more match ready, I think. Um, obviously, he'll have been out celebrating as well the Grand Slam win for Ireland. So I think that obviously will have made a difference. Um, he probably didn't get back into camp until quite late in the week, I would assume. So for for me with Sam Carter, obviously he's one of our few NIQ players and teams only get, you know, a small number of NIQ players and for me they need to make a big difference when they're coming in because they're the big signings, they're the money they're where you're paying the big money for. And we see that with the likes of Vermeulen. He always makes a big difference, puts in a a massive shift usually. Uh to Mangallen since he's came in, massive shifts. Um, we all know what Rory Sutherland is capable of, although he hasn't really shown it too much in an Ulster shirt just yet. And I just don't think that Sam Carter for an NIQ player shows enough for you know one of those big slots. And I'm not sure whether I can see his contract being renewed for next season, or sorry, when his contract runs out, especially with so many young second rows coming through, the likes of Iswachuku. Um, we know that Harry Sheridan can play in the second row. I don't know if that's a preferred position, or whether he prefers playing in the back row. But either way, you know, there's plenty of options there. Like I said earlier, and it'll be interesting to see what Ulster does in terms of his contract. Now moving on to the games from the URC this week, a full game week for a difference since the Six Nations. Um, and some pretty big games taking place. So on Friday we had uh, Zebra versus Cardiff. Cardiff winning that match 34-30. Very tight contest for uh, position in the league. Then we had the two front runners draw- having a rare draw. Uh, that was Leinster 22 and Stormers 22. Which was a massive result for Ulster. Then on Saturday, we had the bulk of the games. It was Benetton versus the Lions, and the Lions ended up winning that game 32 28. Ospreys beat the Dragons 37 18. Connaught with a big performance against Edinburgh, they won that game 41 26. Then the Scarlets played the Sharks. And they won that 32-20. Another big game and big scoring match was Munster losing out to the Glasgow Warriors. Warriors winning that 38-26. And then of course Ulster versus the Bills which ended 32-23. So game of the week. I think it's pretty stuck on that it was the two front runners for us. uh, Leinster versus Stormers. And not only just a good watch, but also very crucial to both Ulster's next game and also uh, Ulster's league position with 
Ulster only two points now behind the Stormers uh, with two games left and obviously the big Leinster match on the weekend. So Lewis, uh, what do you think about this game and how it panned out? Yeah, like you said, Jimmy, it was really enjoyable. Um, the Stormers obviously getting off to the better start, scoring two tries um, early on before Leinster had any. And to, for me, it was kind of expected. Leinster obviously with a bit of a weakened squad with so many players away for Ireland. And I, when I saw the Stormers travelling squad coming over, I just had a feeling that the Stormers might have actually won this game. Obviously, Leinster unbeaten for the entire season so far, um, which has obviously changed now after this draw. And yeah, I just thought the Stormers looked really strong and Leinster looked a little bit off it. I think it was a tough game for the kickers. I thought it was, you know, it was really windy, which clearly made it tough for conversions, penalties and um, just kicking in general on the pitch. But I think the Stormers did a better job of that. And like you say, Jimmy, obviously uh, both teams key to the rest of Ulster's season in terms of we would have liked for a change Leinster to win this game. Um, For if they had of, Ulster would have either been level on points or just one point off the Stormers, making it a little bit easier. However, um, it's hard to know what's going to happen because the Stormers have Munster in their next game at home and we're kind of relying on monster to uh, do us a favour in terms of trying to get us up to that second place finish and a potential home semi-final which would be massive for us so um, obviously we're just going to have to wait and see how the season pans out in that terms and obviously Leinster not playing um, as strong as they can uh, leading into this week which could be a big advantage or a big disadvantage for Ulster depending on how you look at it because they could come out fired up next week but for me I think with them bringing so many players back in next week you know they're going to have a whole host of changes coming in and I think that might affect their fluidity a bit whereas Ulster only really have maybe six seven players to integrate back in and um, I suppose we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. It's going to be interesting. Interesting is exactly the right word for it. Um, I kind of think the opposite to you. I think that this draw for Leinster is going to give them a kick up the backside. And whenever the Ireland players come back in, they're going to sort of say, look, what he, what he is doing. We were going for unbeaten and you nearly threw that away. And I think that they're going to come out full force um, because they know, and I think most people sort of know, they can definitely win the Champions Cup this year alongside the league. They're such a formidable side. And that is not the Leinster that we've seen in the first sort of 20 minutes, half an hour of that match. They weren't physical particularly. Their carries weren't particularly good. And the kicking was shocking because of the wind, and they, you know, their kickers should have anticipated that, especially after the first or second time of doing it, because it turned into a bit of a a, a kicking game for Leinster. At the start, they were sort of pushed back into their own twenty-two quite a lot, and they had the kick, but they just did not read the wind, and it didn't help them out. I think that that's why you've seen the Stormers take the early lead. And then, I don't know what was said at half-time, but they completely changed and really came out guns blazing. Um, Sort of like the regular Leinster team. Um, When it comes to uh, what it means for Ulster, you know, I would have liked to see that Leinster team the whole time. But... You know, uh, Stormers, you can take it away from them. They did play really well and matched Leinster. Um, and especially whenever they do have fairly easy games, the rest of the, the uh, league, it's, it's going to be hard to take the points from them. We just need the hope that they don't get a bonus point in either match, really. Because I, I would imagine they'll, they'll win them both. Uh, especially, you know, maybe if they're away the monster, 
uh, could see Munster doing it, but not whenever the Stormers are at home. And as for next week's match, I do really think that Leinster are going to come out guns blazing. Um, even though they have to integrate so many people, you know they're basically changing their whole pack. But I think that the Leinster coaching staff will acknowledge that, and they might just say to them, "Like you've been playing with Ireland, sort of play that kind of style." Maybe that won't work for them, or maybe. They'll they'll try and get them to play like Leinster, but um, it it's I think it sort of just depends how long they've had to uh, train them for club. But it was a good match to watch, and especially out second half, it got really tense, and I was sort of screaming. I was like, "Don't let the Stormers win! Don't let them win!" And then at the same time, I was like, "Get the Stormers to win!" It's it's sort of the way it it goes, and. I'm I'm happy enough with the draw. I think it gives Ulster that hope for both uh, sides of the story. You know, next week it, it may work to our favour and really help us. They might have their heads down a wee bit uh, because they've lost that. It's not that they've lost the unbeaten, but they've lost the perfect uh, record. And the Stormers, you know... Uh, it, it puts us closer to them and puts that pressure onto them. So, in a new feature this week, we are going to be picking our joint team for next week's huge Champions Club last 16 game against Leinster. So, we'll go through who we think is going to start and who we think will be in the overall 23. Um, I'm going to start, Jamie. So, I'll start with my front row. I'm going to go with, in terms of the two props, I'm going to go with Rory Sutherland at Loosehead. I think, you know, he was, he's was he been brought in for these type of big games. I'm going to go for Rob Herring in Hooker and Jeff Tamanga Allen uh, as the other prop. Well, you're two-thirds of the way there. Um, I agree with you on the props. I've got down Sutherland and Tamanga Allen, but I think you have to go for Tom Stewart top try scorer just has an amazing attitude really and plays great overall and this is his season see I don't know for me obviously I wouldn't be disappointed with either of them starting they're both terrific hookers and they both add so much to the game but I just think in my opinion Rob Herring's obviously been there done it uh, Captain Dulster so many times Um big mole tries against the likes of New Zealand and England there at the weekend and when I think about who would I trust more at the end of a game to throw in a line out perfectly um, in a say a crucial couple of point game I would probably trust Herring more um, I think Dan McFarlane could go either way but for me I would like to see Herring start with Tom Stewart coming on quite early off the bench in that line-out situation, I think I would trust Tom Stewart more to get it over the line, though. Tough call. Tough call. But sure. Uh, I'm right. You're wrong. Uh, we'll go on to the second row. So, uh, I think it's pretty sort of cut and dry, the second row. Um, Treadwell and O'Connor. I don't really want to see Sam Carter starting in a game like this. Or the younger lads. Um, and whenever you have Henderson out. This is your best two that you're you're going for. Yeah, one hundred percent agree with that, Jimmy. Uh, it has to be O'Connor and Treadwell. I think obviously Sam Carter will then be an experienced, available player from the bench. However, I think those two are pretty nailed on for starting. Uh, I just think it would be a little bit risky with the amount of penalties Sam Carter gives away um, in such a crucial game. I would like to see Sheridan uh, get involved though in that. Uh, either if he is second mower flanker, um, I would like to see him on the bench, maybe getting utilised as the game goes on. Yeah, I agree. I think he deserves it. I think the big performances he's put in since he's came into the first team, I think he's definitely earned a place on that bench, and um, he's played really well. And I think he would make a big impact coming on either from the second row or the back row as a replacement. Moving on to the starting back row, um. 
for me, I've went for Marcus Ray at six. We've seen him coming back into the team recently when he's came on off the bench in the last couple of weeks. I think he's put in a big performance and he just adds so much in terms of turnovers and constantly getting over the ball. I think he's probably Ulster's biggest threat in the back row in terms of turnovers and I'd like to see him start just to add a bit of balance to that back row. Um, I've also went for Timoney and Vermeulen at 7 and 8. I think they're pretty nailed on. Two massive players. Timoney obviously looking to stake a claim against his fellow Irish players in terms of getting into that World Cup squad. And Vermeulen, you know, there's no need to talk much about him. He's a massive influence, massive ball carrier. And for me, he has to be in there. I'm nearly the same as you. Um, so I'm saying Timoney... Then I'm going David McCann uh, as six, and obviously Dwayne Vermeulen, uh, best player in in the team for me. Um, so and he has that eight that is his. Um, Timoney, once again one of the best players we have at Ulster, has that shirt stuck on. Um, I think this is another one that could go either way. I think it's just down to how. Uh, Dan McFarlane sees it uh, but I think personally I'll go David McCann because of his his recent performances in the shirt. Yeah I think it'll be a really tight call. David McCann put in a massive performance against the Bulls there at the weekend so it'll be really interesting to see if that form is rewarded um, but for me I think Marcus Ray would just add that little bit more balance in terms of he has the turnovers. Um, we know Timoney has the pace and the ball carrying ability, and Vermeulen has everything, I suppose. <laughs> and then we'll go on to the backs. Um, scrum half, I'm going Cooney. In a game like this, we've already talked about it, you need that experience. And with Duke's slip up uh, this last week uh, against the Bulls, um, I think you definitely need Cooney in. Then. For 10, Burns, pretty cut and dry on it. Um, he is Ulster's 10. Then the centres, um, I've went for Schumann McCluskey. I think it gives you the best um, best ability in, in that because they, they can both carry, they can both tackle in, in different ways and I think it's a nice pairing for this particular game. Yep, I think I am 100% in agreement with you um, in terms of those players. Cooney and Burns, clearly Ulster's best halfback partnership at the moment. Burns, I think, has been playing a lot better in the last few weeks and you know, he'll be key to making sure that Ulster are playing the ball right up to the line and his kicking, of course, as well will be very key in terms of pinning Leinster back. And centres, like you say, it has to be McCluskey and Hume. McCluskey with the power and the offloading ability and everything else he adds to the team. Such a key player. And of course, um, Hume, who has the skill, has the pace. We haven't seen his best performances this year. But if there's any time to bring that best performance out, it'll be this week. And finally, moving on to the back three. I think we're both in agreement with this, but I've went for Balakun, Stockdale and Laurie. I think that's Ulster's best back three. I think that's our most dangerous back three. And if we can get those players into space, I think they'll cause Leinster a lot of damage. Total agreeance with you. Um, you know, you just have to look at, at the Bulls game as the best part of that game. The chemistry that they have and uh, the experience you have on Stockdale and just the raw talent in both Larry and Balakin. You know, it's I think that that's you know, it's the best uh best back three that Ulster have, not just for this game but in general. Yeah, and of course all three of those players will be competing for Ireland jerseys in the coming future. Balakin and Stockdale obviously looking for those wing berths um going into the World Cup up against a big winger like James Lowe and Dave Carney who's been playing really well for Leinster this year as well so it'll be a really interesting battle out there and Laurie up against Hugo Keenan who was one of Ireland's key players in the Six Nations and that'll be a tough battle as well uh, Laurie will be looking to get the better of him. Against the Bulls we've seen a different sort of bench than what we're used to we've seen a 6-2 split uh, with it being 
uh, six forwards and uh, two backs, do you think that Dan McFarlane's going to go for something similar in this game or go for the more conventional uh, 5-3? It's an interesting debate because obviously Leinster have so much power up front and whether he feels like Dan McFarland, he needs an extra forward on that bench, obviously usually a back row player, which would be handy in terms of having Harry Sheridan and, you know, one of Marcus Ray, David McCann, whoever else, Jordy Murphy, obviously an option as well, whoever else he decides to bring. For me, I would like to see him go for the usual 5-3. I think that having, you know, an extra back will be handy. Um, I would expect him, we obviously know that Doak will come in, whether it be him or Cooney starting, one of them will be on the bench. Um, and then I think he should go for Luke Marshall and Rob Little. Obviously Rob Little covering the back three, which he's done really well when he's played this season. And Luke Marshall, just a class all-round player. Um, good standing at 13 in case anything happens. And with plenty of players in the team that we would expect to be starting that can play multiple positions including uh, Michael Laurie at 10 if needed. So I think in that case we would kind of have every position covered. I don't know if you agree, Jamie? Yeah, uh, completely. I think it's better to have that coverage than necessarily just replacing forwards for big physical battles. Um, because I personally, I think that our forwards could do it You know, with not having that extra forward to bring on um i agree with you on the backs to bring i would go you know whatever scrum half it'll be um i would imagine doke will be on the bench and then uh rob little he's back can cover multiple positions and um luke marshall as well i think that he's he's a great player and especially in a game like this you definitely need him not the takeaway from ben moxham who has been featuring on the bench um i think he's a great player but maybe just he needs that wee bit more experience before he's involved in such a big game and then as for the forwards um i think if you bring the five you have pretty good coverage anyway um you know you have tom o'toole's back and then whatever hooker you decide either rob heron or tom stewart then for your lock it'll probably be sam carter you'll bring um but we were sort of discussing maybe is with chicky um and then you either have o'sullivan or andrew work um could go for either i sort of think maybe uh andrew work you might go um and then your back row i i would go harry sheridan um he's been great from coming on from the bench and i think that this is a game where he can really establish himself if he does get the chance to come on i think it's mad how many really good players for ulster this year are going to be disappointed to be left out because obviously like you're saying if you go sheridan in that back row and you had david mccann starting you're leaving marcus ray completely out of the squad and you know, it's like that in a number of positions. Um, the bench that we've named, you're leaving Ethan McElroy out, who has had such a good season last year and has been really growing into the team. Um, and, you know, it is going to be tough on some players, but I think the competition's obviously a really good thing. It's going to drive those players on and make sure we're putting in the best performance possible. And, you know, it's it could all be down to training this week in a number of positions. Obviously, that Tom O'Toole and Tamanga Allen debate as well. Could Tom O'Toole come straight back in and start? Um, I think both of them are guaranteed to be in the squad. But there's so like there's so many tough battles, and it's going to be really interesting to see if uh, Dan McFarland throws a few curveballs in there in terms of team selection. Just as well on a more positive note, um, Ulster have released an injury update, and the injury update is that there are no further injuries from the Bulls game which is very positive going into this weekend's game. In terms of Leinster, we know they're going to be missing a number of key players. Uh, Johnny Sexton, uh, certain to miss out. He will miss likely the rest of the season for Leinster. And I think Gary Ringrose as well, a doubt uh, with concussion, as well as a number of other players. So it'll be interesting to see how many of them actually play 
and you know how that could affect their team announcement and their overall performance and to finish off this section as normal go for a wee score prediction Lewis what are you thinking you know what I'm going to be positive Um, I think it's going to be quite a low scoring game but I think that it's going to finish 25-19 to Ulster I just think Leinster might just be that little bit off the pace with so many players coming back in and they might be a little bit uh, rusty, some of them, and some of them might be a little bit, um, you know, they won't be fluid with each other in terms of so many new combinations coming back into Leinster. Um, You know, they've obviously got different moves and stuff, so I think that might affect them a bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say an Ulster win down there and a very rare one. As for me... Um, I've thought long and hard about this about 30 seconds I'm going to go for an Ulster win like yourself I'm going 21 to 18 I think it's going to be either a try or a penalty that's going to decide it um, because it's I, both teams are going to play their hearts out and really want to try and get it because we looked at the table and it's a fairly easy run to the final after this game you'd expect both teams to go on and so I think that it's just going to be so intense that it's going to come down to one score so that'll do us for this week I'll give you a wee reminder to follow us on Instagram over at ravenhill underscore roundup as well as have a listen to us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Uh, we're also on TikTok now, posting some videos, um, trying to get a bit more involved with everyone, and talking about involvement, get involved with us. Uh, that's why we've set this up, to get you involved as fans. And we do also have our Twitch, at Ravenhill Roundup. If you're not able to get to the Leinster match, come over the us going to be doing a watch along myself um, maybe have some guests pop in tonight because I understand how big of a game this is and I think it's it'll be great to have uh, that atmosphere in your house of having every all the fans um, involved with each other so stick the match on your TV and then stick me on your phone and you can have a yarn and talk about the match on it having a watch along together unfortunately i will be at the game and having a good time at the fan zone and of course a few beers while watching so um i will try and keep an eye on the watch along as well while i'm there don't worry there will be beers on the watch along as well (laughs) hopefully happy ones but that'll do us for now so thank you very much for watching and hopefully we'll see you next week when we're through the next round.